Welcome to the Christian Life Coach Collective. I'm your host and coach, Lauren Malone, and I'm here to help you become the hero of your own story and learn to be a guide to others. Whether you're a life coach in any niche or you want to become one, or you're just listening in so you can self-coach to lead your own life well, this podcast is here to serve you. I'm super excited to walk with you into your calling and help you create a wonderful legacy for your life. So let's jump in to today's episode. Okay, I want to talk about expectations today and how they're affecting your relationships, especially with significant others. But let's do some defining first. So a significant other is someone who is significant. I know, spoiler. Uh, Not only person that you're married to or dating or seeing, but all of the people with a level of importance and significance in your life. So these are the people who are close enough to truly impact you and who can do the most harm. So a handbook is a reference guide or a how-to guide, like the little slip of paper that comes without enough information in the Ikea box. It's the book you wish came with the newborn baby or the woman you can't figure out. (laughs) So our main problem is that people and events and circumstances, they don't come with their own handbook telling us what we can expect, right? There's no recipe guide for how to guarantee a great relationship with anybody. And when we lack something, we are able to then um, create something in order to fill the void of what we lack. So in lieu of having a handbook that tells us how a person will be or should be in a relationship with us, we develop our own internal handbook and they've never read it. So we're always writing it and maybe subconsciously rereading it, but we are not always aware of it. And we're not, you know, it still has so much power over our paradigm and perspective, even though we don't really recognize that we're writing it or reading it. But necessity is the mother of all invention. And our brains, in order to comfort us and to keep us safe, they create expectations that help us, you know, there's like a survival mechanism. And since people don't communicate well enough um, to tell us what should be in the handbook, that they're able to and capable of meeting and fulfilling, we fill in the blanks for them. It makes me think of those Mad Libs books that I used to use as a kid and also my kids have had in the car where there's just the blank and who knows, like somebody's just filling in what that, you know, adjective is or the verb or the noun, but that doesn't mean the person should be trusted because they don't know what the rest of the sentence is, right? So you don't know what what kind of story you're going to get. So then they, everything that you do and that they don't do is measured against what we've put in our handbook. It's compared to that. And, you know, if we decide to use the Bible as our handbook, then we can apply everything it says about our spouse and who they're supposed to be at the, like, the biblical level of perfection, right? So now in the handbook, if we go with that and hold everyone to the standard, the biblical standard, then wives are supposed to be everything that the Proverbs 31 woman was, right? And 
husbands are supposed to be just like Jesus and treat their wives the way Jesus treats the church. Okay, so then we're we're creating a level of perfection we wouldn't want anybody to hold us to, and yet we would hold somebody else to that inside of the handbook. And because we know that these are, you know, these things are God's best plan, when we decide to hold everybody up against that standard, it prevents grace. It prevents somebody from living authentically from their story and permission to be in process while they're in relationship with us. And that's when blame and shame, um, they bear a lot of children together. And it's pretty terrifying when that happens. You've probably experienced it. But if these people in our lives came with a handbook, right, then we wouldn't have to create our own. And we wouldn't have to judge them against the Bible. No, we would open it up and we would take their handbook if they came with one. We probably wouldn't treat it as though we're so relieved to have it. Instead, we'd be like drawing big lines through it and ripping out entire pages because we disagree with their handbook. <laughs> then it would look like uh, what do you a redacted file in the drawer of like um, the head of CIA, like black ops, right? <laughs> so you think from TV shows you've seen redacted files. Um, everything is blacked out. We'd be like blacking everything out, ripping out pages. And then we would slip in, slide in everything that we want to be in that handbook and then hope that they read it and know what they're supposed to be doing. And the problem with that is that all that stuff is in our head and our heart and the people that we've written handbooks for, they're not reading it. So they don't even know for themselves what we expect of them. They only feel what we spit out on them based on the comparison of how they do in life versus what we expect from them. And it's written in the handbook. Why don't they get it? We have to become people who are healthy enough and aware enough to create relationships with other people from a perspective of an emotionally mature adult. Did you know that's a thing? There's emotionally mature adults in the world. And that means there are emotionally immature adults in the world. Not everybody has grown or knows Jesus or has any measure of healing. Some people just don't have any tools. We're not going to hold that against them, but it's good to be aware of who you are in relationship with. And this also includes moving towards this type of relationship with our parents. Nobody really tells you this is supposed to happen or um, coaches you on the transition of becoming an adult in relationship with an adult parent. And your parents likely don't even know how to have it, like help you make it happen in a healthy way either. But you have to initiate it or somebody else has to initiate it or a crisis will initiate it. But I suggest you just become aware that it's important for you to become an emotionally mature adult in your relationship with your significant others, especially your parents, grow up and take responsibility. Because better relationships, they happen when only one person shifts their paradigm, which affects, right? If the paradigm is your beliefs and your thoughts, that's gonna affect your emotions, which affects and informs your actions, which then tells you the kind of results you're gonna get and the legacy you're writing. 
our relationships throughout life are based on the types of relationships we had as children. And I had a lot of struggles in my childhood, in my relationships. So when I would go back home to Kansas City before my mom passed and dancing with Jesus now, I would get around her and we had a very difficult relationship. So she was a very significant other in my life with so much power to significantly hurt me. And also because she was a very hurt person, regardless of the fact that she cared a lot about people and she was good, she was very hurt. And one day, several years ago, my brother said, um, let's just say it was a very difficult day with my mom. She said some things that were very painful and didn't say some things, which also was very painful. He said to me that I let my parents have too much power over me. I was probably around 40 by then, and I had done a lot of inner healing and work on myself personally, but... I still, you know, they're my parents. And my handbook says that parents should be and shouldn't be these things, dot, 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 right? But in during that time, um, I had experienced parents saying things that were very unkind. And it hurt me. And when I get hurt... I don't get sad first. I get mad. (laughs) And my brother got to experience me being mad. (laughs) And what was coming out of me was pretty ugly. And even though I knew at the time that what was said to me was untrue, it still felt like such an injustice that I should have parents that would speak things to me that could be so painful. As a parent myself, I would never say these things to my children. Because I recognize the power that my words have. And the Bible says that there's power of life and death in the words that we speak. Part of the struggle I had was that my parents often spoke words that felt like death to me. And I rarely remember hearing words of life spoken into me. And I knew it wasn't right. It felt out of alignment. It felt wrong. And for a long time, I held it against them. Enter the handbook, right? The Significant Other Expectations Handbook. (laughs) I realized that I had a lot of expectations of how parents should and should not be. I believe that they should um, more than not be speaking life and never intentionally speaking death. I believed that they should be the adult in the relationship and they should be the ones pursuing relationships with their children and grandchildren, not make in, you know, insisting that it should be vice versa. They were the adults after all, like, They should know better. And I believed that they should be encouraging me rather than telling me what I'm not good at at and shaming me for mistakes I'd made. All of those things were reasonable, biblical, and justified to me. And yet, they were harming me. So you're probably agreeing with me about all of that. But recognizing me, um, the fact that I was having expectations about what parents should and shouldn't do or be revealed where I was constantly disappointed and living from these expectations with constant disappointment that my parents would never give me what I needed kept me imprisoned. And the truth is, is that when we live like other people should potentially or could potentially give us what we need, 
that can actually become an idol. Only Jesus is our all in all, and he has far greater ability and the desire to fill all of our needs. And if we'll start looking to him to give us what we need, we can take what seems like a dictionary, which full is, you know, is full of good reasons for others to give us what we need. We can take that dictionary out of the library and not not live from it, right? So what I'm saying to you is that you can decide to look at the significant others and your relationships with them differently. Take the weight off of the person, put away your handbook, your SOP for them, take the weight off of the relationship, and start with just one person. Give them permission to show up in life and in your relationship in just the way that they're made to and able to at this point in their life. Because everybody is still in process, right? Even Christians, holy moly, guacamole. When a person believes in Jesus, their spirits are fully redeemed, made alive, but their soul is still in process. They're not perfected, their personality doesn't change, and they'll still have behaviors and beliefs that can harm you. Ta-da! If you didn't know it, (laughs) this is where you come in. You can actually change yourself and lay down the handbook that you're operating from in your connection to them. You can let them be where they are, meet them where they are, let there be grace. You can let go, um, let things go that in the past would have harmed you. You can love them unconditionally in the way you accuse them of not loving you. You could show up in greater ways and set examples for them without shoving it in their face that you're doing it. You can become the one who wants to live from a place of wholeheartedness and joy and show them what that looks like. And you can do it all without them even knowing that you're releasing them to just be who they are, that you're deciding to be in control of the only person you really have any say over, which is you. You don't even have to go to these people and ask them to be different or tell them that you're releasing them from being different. In fact, please, I tell you not to do that. Just be in a relationship with Jesus and let him walk with you through this process. Don't go to people and tell them you forgive them for doing things and being who they are because you wouldn't want somebody to say that to you. That wouldn't be kind, right? There's only one handbook out there that really works that's It's true all of the time and will never disappoint. And it's the handbook about our father and his son. It's actually a handbook written about a relationship between a father and his child. It's not fiction. It's not fairy tale. It's actually a legit standard operating procedures manual. (laughs) Like it is the handbook of all handbooks. So I suggest you read it. It's called the Bible, Holy Bible, right? And... You know what I told my brother back to this story when he said that my parents have too much power over me? I said, well, they're supposed to. (laughs) They're my parents. And if I remove their power to hurt me so significantly, I also have to remove their power to love me significantly. And when they're able to love me and willing to do so, I want my heart to still be open enough that that love can come in and affect me. So... I had to say, like, I'm not going to shut down and shut off what is supposed to be there. They're my parents. They're supposed to have that power to love me. But you can't have one side of the coin and not the other. But what I did do was change my paradigm about the power of their words. I decided to change what I believed they were responsible for 
and how they could potentially disappoint or hurt me. I decided to constantly look at them as human beings instead of parents. And to see them as children that God created instead of people who refused to give me what I needed. I looked at them like adult peers instead of overseers or bosses, because that stage, that was a long time ago. You know, when you have kids, you're like the gardener, right? But when they grow up and become adults, you're simply a guide. You're no longer pruning them. Um, It's not your responsibility. They're adults and they have a life where now when they want you to guide them, they, um, yeah, they give you an opportunity to speak into their life as a guide, but you're no longer a gardener. And my parents haven't been my gardeners for a very, very long time. So I had to stop acting like they were and to pick up all of the responsibility that I was still putting on them and say, no, that's mine now. And I don't have to ask them to guide me either if I don't trust their guidance, if I don't trust what comes out of them. And I'm not just talking about parents, anybody. If I don't trust what comes out of them that would guide me, then that I remove the power for them to guide me. I remove the power, I I take away the power for someone to be trusted or to give guidance, but that doesn't mean I have to shut off and build up a wall in the relationship just because they don't get to um, push buttons or push me around. And I had to recognize that just because my parents' bodies were older than mine, that didn't make them emotionally more mature. And when you, as the child, become more emotionally mature than your parent, then the rules switch. And you don't have to be the caretaker for a parent who's ailing for the rules to switch. You simply have to become a responsible adult who is healthier and emotionally more mature for that to happen. So I still have my heart open to my parents for the moments when they do breathe life into me. But because I no longer am depending on them and expecting it, I'm not spending my precious one life being offended that they're not fulfilling my heart's desires. And I'm going to live a great life without other people doing anything because I keep going back to Jesus now. I keep asking him to heal and fill and love me. And then I keep letting him. So I'm ready to receive love if it's pure and poured out. But all of those people who I used to feel hurt by, who were never really trying to hurt me, are just people now that I turn around and love on. I want to pour into them what Jesus pours into me, as opposed to how I used to live, which was pouring offense and bitterness onto them because of their failure to follow the rules and expectations I'd written in the handbook I created about them. I was thinking about this the other day because my kids don't like to disappoint me and their dad, but I'm constantly saying, like, I need to have permission to be disappointed, disappointed in your behavior, your words, your choices, you know, all of those things, because permission to feel what I feel means that we're connected in a healthy way. It means, I'm saying this to my children, you're not, it means you're not hiding anything from me to make me believe something about you that's not real. And isn't that just what we do? We, we tend to hide when we think somebody won't like us or they'll be disappointed or they'll withhold something we need. So if we live like there's no permission to be disappointed or hurt or put off, then we're not being authentic and we aren't showing up in truth and we aren't being unconditional. 
And that is not a fun or sustainable relationship with anybody, including with yourself. So laying down the handbook brings the desire to forgive close to your heart. And without the handbook, my soul is not as involved in the situation. Uh, My spirit has permission to rise up and lead me. And you can know when your soul is leading you because you feel offense and resentment and bitterness and all kinds of bad fruit, right? When you operate from your spirit as a believer, you don't have those fruits fallen from the tree all around you. You forgive and you love and you pursue. And 1 Corinthians talks about what love really is. And I believe that that definition is only accessible by operating from the spirit within us, filled with Emmanuel, who is God with us always. That kind of love is what we long for. But as humans, imperfectly in process, we don't operate in it all of the time. But we do judge others for not operating in it when we want them to. So it's your responsibility to become a healthy adult, and nobody else is going to do that or can do that for you. No one else is going to do what you decide in your handbook they're supposed to do. If they did, then wouldn't you need to subscribe to and follow whatever's in their handbook written for you? That wouldn't be fun, and you know that. They shouldn't have to be the way you want them to be in order to be loved by you just as you want permission to be yourself without conforming to their standards and expectations. Because we judge others by their behavior, while we're judging ourselves by our intention. And only God and us know really what our true intentions are. So when we think other people should be different than how they are right now, we get ourselves in trouble, especially if we're comparing them against ourselves. Our ego can really get in the way. You know, you can compare them to Jesus instead. And then ask him what he says about them, knowing that they haven't reached the point of perfection. And then ask yourself if you have any rocks in your hand that are just waiting to be thrown. You know, people are really hard to hate when you're up close to them. You can hate people and judge people when they're a group or labeled as an agenda or they're just names and numbers. But go sit next to them at their mother's funeral or share a meal with them while their kid is sick. Or sit next to them at church and watch their face when like a revelation of God's love for them dawns on their heart. And you see that people are much harder to hate or judge if you look with the eyes of your spirit. Nobody deserves to be held prisoner of our handbooks with which we judge them and navigate our own lives with. If there's any handbook to be created, write one for yourself using the Bible as a template and let God fill in the blanks. Because you're the only one that can write a story that you can write a story for. And you're the only one who can help um, to grow from being a victim into a hero in that story. So here's what I tell you to do. Like sit down and actually write out bullet points of what's in your handbook for any one person. Just pick somebody and write out everything that you think they should, um, how they should act and what they should say and do, how you want them to treat you and the other people in your lives. All of the things that you hope that they would be or do or have and read this because this handbook is your version of who you want that person to be and it's dictating a lot of your life as well and you haven't even realized it. So lay it all out and write out what you wish that they would do, be, and have and go big, not just little, like write out the big things because when you write this out, you're going to say, you're going to look at all that stuff and say, these things are justified 
maybe even biblical. But if you want your husband or wife or parent, child to be something they aren't, then you are affecting yourself before they are affecting you. You're the one that has decided your expectations will lead you because your expectations are going to lead to disappointments. It's different than expectancy, which believes that God will work all things together for good and he knows your needs before you you even know them. That's expectancy, that God is good and that there is hope and there is a future for you. At expectations, everything is held in comparison, which only brings the fruits of pride or pain. So these people in your life, they're not sitting there thinking of ways to harm you and offend you and cause you pain. They aren't wondering, how can I make her bitter? How can I make him jealous? How can I bring depression to their lives? But the expectations that you have and the lies you believe, they are doing that. Those things are helping to harm and offend and um, make you better and jealous and depressed and bring anxiety. Like expectations and lies, that's what they do. And until you write all of this handbook out, you're not going to really know what you're expecting and wanting from somebody else. And again, it doesn't just apply to significant others, but everybody in your life. And it also applies to events and circumstances, anywhere you have expectations. So when you see that what you've written in your handbook about a person or a circumstance, maybe even a marriage or a job, um, you'll see what you've been comparing everything against. And you're, ta- you know, you're taking things personal that aren't even personal towards you. And your comparison is hurting you. And causing offense based off of expectations more than the creation of like other people creating that offense because of what they do or don't do. You know, everybody has their own paradigm and nobody else has your paradigm. They don't know what you believe and what you're thinking. So you have to adjust your paradigm your beliefs and your thought life in order to live like a hero and write your own story. Living from all of the handbooks that you've written for other people and the journal of offense that you hold on to is causing you pain. It's hurting your marriage and your relationship with your parents and your children, your siblings, friendships, your job, but mostly you're hurting yourself. So you're the only one that can take responsibility for your story and you're the one that can find the truth and be set free by it. You're the one who can lay aside the blame and shame and powerlessness and become the powerful hero of your own legacy story. Only you can change this. So I implore you to pearl this. Learn um, the pearl practice by listening to episode number six and start keeping a journal of what God has done for you and with you to fill your time and your thought life with. Have a journal of all the promises and the great things that God's done. That is so much better than a journal of remembrances of offense and hurt, right? It's just so much more freeing. So you have this. You've got this, friend. And I pray that you have revelation about these areas of your life and If you're a coach or you want to be one, I hope and pray that this episode will give you understanding um, about how to use this as a tool and a truth to share with your clients. At the same time, you can experience the freedom and power of it in your own life. And if you're looking to become a coach, then go check out the Greenhouse course at sterlingandstonementoring.com. The next one starts at the end of September, so it's a good time for you to start your application now 
And by the end of this year, you could be a certified and trained Christian life coach. And you can take that certification, you can take that training and um, contextualize it to anybody you want to work with, any niche out there. I'm going to give you all the foundations. And this current course that we're in is amazing. And I love my coaches and training, the CITs. And, you know, one day they're as certified Sterling and Stone life coaches, they're going to be part of a directory of coaches on my website. And you're going to be able to access all of their info and find a coach that can walk alongside you on this beautiful journey, no matter where you're headed. Um, and I, you know, if you like Facebook groups, then go jump into the Christian Life Coach Collective Facebook group. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Until next time. Are you ready to become a hero in your own story by investing in yourself through life coaching? Are you looking to become an amazing guide to others by becoming a coach or up-leveling your current practice? Then check out sterlingandstonementoring.com to see how we can work together. And don't forget, it's really easy to say thanks if any of this free content has been a blessing to you just by leaving a quick written review over on Apple Podcasts. And thank you in advance.